2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking, and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm Ned Bolting.
3: I'm Adam Tranter.
2: And I'm Laura Laker. And this time, we're going to be talking about the local elections in England and where walking and cycling fits into the grand picture. So on the 6th of May this year, 28 million people will be eligible to vote for 4,650 positions of power, except for me, because I'm travelling tomorrow and I forgot to get my postal report. the first time I've missed an election in living memory. Apologies for that. Uh, ranging from city mayors to parish councillors. Uh, Last year's elections were delayed because of COVID, meaning that more positions than usual are up for grabs. So it's a kind of a super election day. But in a year in which the country is emerging from a pandemic, who knew? (laughs) How much, if at all, does cycling matter? Well, um, should we leap straight into local politics or can we can we start with a little how are you all?
3: yeah let's be let's be civil
2: to be civil yeah well, you, well Laura it's quite windy today we, it's
1: really windy. we came down to meet Adam face to face
2: didn't we and we both cycled here did you manage to stay uh, upright?
1: yeah right? I came from the, yeah I, I rode my heavy bike and I've got quite a heavy laptop so I was like wait, I was probably weighed down but yeah I quite like when it's extreme weather I quite like just like seeing if I can catch other people's eye on the street and like laugh at them about laugh with them about how how windy it is so a couple of people on bikes and we're like we're just like ha ah! there was another guy just on the Blackfriars cycle route he was like it was suddenly a gust and we both went kind of leaning into the wind I was like ha, ha ha and he was just laughing it was great it's quite nice actually you get a bit of a sense of camaraderie
2: it's the bridges isn't it that yeah do you? And, and uh, it's the it's the kind of delivery just eat guys with the big old bags that act as sales yeah. basically, get really. on that wheel <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh terrifying. yeah I had a bit of awkward banter at some um, red lights in Camberwell um <laughs> it's but,
1: when you have it and then there's a really long wait we just sat yeah, there like yeah, yeah anything else to
2: say <laughs> yeah um <laughs> we're not very good at conversation cyclists really. Are we? but i'm um, hoping i uh, so both you and i have kind of kind of gone east to west to meet adam basically into the yeah. wind i'm hoping it doesn't die down so i'm hoping we still we Just get have a bit our of
1: feet of a, up on the way back
2: our feet up on the way back adam
3: i'm yeah I'm, I'm on a day trip i'm down from the the west midlands it's quite yeah. weird for me it's sort of, i haven't been to london for quite a long time yeah and yeah i've been i've been yeah totally immersed in in on uh, work, but also West Midlands goings on, which we'll we'll talk about, I think. But um, we've been, uh, I've I've worked with all the kind of major kind of active travel people, advocates, British Cycling, Sustrans, all those lot, and we've put together mayoral pledges that we've asked the West Midlands candidates to sign up to. And that sort of led me on to this, this kind of conversation, really. I thought talking to people, not a lot of people have an idea about you know, what metro mayors are, what councillors do, how active travel can be, can be influenced by the you know, political process. So we should chat about that, really.
2: Well, this is your area of expertise, isn't it? I mean, this could be, if you play your cards right, this could be a 45-minute monologue.
3: Yes yeah um, this, this is what amazing. this is what people have signed up for yeah <laughs> gosh i'll try and, I'll what, try and keep it down.
2: What is being decided on Thursday?
3: so we're talking you know a couple of days before Thursday, the sixth of May, and there are lots of, as as the intro says, there are four thousand six hundred and fifty different positions for, for people they're largely in in a couple of things one of the you know the most high profile of elections that's happening is 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 the london mayoral election but we've also got other metro mayor elections happening uh, in the west midlands where i am uh, in greater manchester there's a new one in uh, west yorkshire that's got a new a new mayor and basically and the west of England. There's more of these metro mayors popping up, and it's part of uh, part of devolution.
2: Okay, so right first idiot question yep. is: Are all metro is um, Sadiq Khan a metro mayor? Yes. And are all metro mayors constitutionally equal?
3: No. Oh,
1: some of them are unitary authorities, and some of them are not.
3: Yes, but that that's more. So yes, so it's very it is really boring. Maybe we should stop recording now. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's some of them <laughs>
1: have like several councils, basically. Like Manchester has got like yes. ten councils. London's got like thirty-three, including the City of London. But then some, it's just the city council that they're mayor of.
3: Yes, so yeah. Famous. So that they're that they're not. I don't think they're technically called metro mayors; those ones. They're okay. they're city mayors, okay. but yeah. they're still directly elected. So, metro mayors—they're not all created equal. For example, Sadiq Khan, obviously current mayor of London, has uh, has lots of things like policing as part of his role. He also has transport—you know, the tube, the buses, everything like that. But he only has about between five and ten percent of the the road network. Um, for example, in Greater Manchester, you know, they've just done the deal to trying to do the deal to take ownership of the the, the bus networks, so putting that back into public control, like TfL have done, for example.
1: And have like one payment system yeah, between yeah, the trams and the buses, which is yeah not popular with all the bus companies, but it makes total sense. You can go around and just swipe.
3: For, for consumers, it sounds like a great a great idea and keeping the fares low. But in you know for the, in the West Midlands, for example, there is also a police and crime commissioner up for election. So the policing part of the mayor's responsibility is is really down to the police and crime commissioner. So they've made it incredibly boring. And incredibly complex so you have to have quite a lot of local you know local knowledge of what's going on but you've got the metro mayors which is important you've got city mayors there's some of those being elected for most people you know up and down the country you've got councillors which are up for for election in 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 most places but not london and you've got anything down to um parish councillors as well you know people in your local village there's all sorts and they all have a different role to play.
1: And so with the with the police and crime commissioners, do they like stand for election? They're kind of they've got a, a manifesto like a mayor would have and then they and then you vote for them.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so this is kind of a fairly new thing and it yeah, policing became a bit more political. So so the the people who stand for that are, are from political parties, conservatives, labor, lib dem, et cetera and they uh they say things like we're gonna reopen police stations or we're going to get more funding and some of that's because they have control of the budget they can reallocate it to policing priorities but some of that's also they're effectively saying i'm going to be really good at asking government for more money which is which is part of the part of the job i guess
2: so these are the candidates if you happen to be in one of these areas that is is electing a sorry police and, police and crime, commissioner. crime commissioner, then you want to look, if from our perspective in terms of active travel, you want to look at maybe what their attitude is towards what towards road safety measures, towards cracking down on speeding and kind of various different forms of dangerous and antisocial driving, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and video submission evidence yeah. from helmet cams—that's quite a big thing now. Yeah, some so of them take stuff in. Some of them take stuff from the public, and some of them don't. Isn't it?
3: Mm, it's really tempting to um, to not be interested in this, um, but the police and crime commissioner one, you know, is potentially really relevant because of, as you say third-party reporting so we're talking about like helmet cams like dash cams not all forces do that my local forces take in the submissions but they don't tell you what happens to those submissions so you know just simple like any form of simple psychology would tell you the more information you give the end user the more likely they are to submit it because it's part of the like process and part of the i guess the reward for knowing how your civic duty paid off
1: and how they deal with the information once they have it varies Hugely, I saw a. There was an academic study like comparing the West Midlands with a. I can't remember exactly which police force it was. Someone in the Southeast, and their their sort of rates at which they would take cases forward were really, really varied massively. Yeah. It was quite amazing. Actually.
3: Warwickshire Police Force near near me, they seem to have a policy of of just providing. Uh, they just put everybody, regardless of what happens, if they've committed an offence, almost regardless of severity. As long as they're insured, et cetera, they just seem to stick them on a driver awareness course uh, every single time for the, for the first offence, which I don't think is the best way to. Not much to deal of a disincentive.
1: I don't yeah, know.
3: yeah, exactly. So they're the kind of things you could be looking at for police and crime commissioners. You've got also their approach on speeding. I think in this country, we can be quite nonchalant about speeding and also road danger. So it's a quite telling whether police and crime commissioners, you know, take that seriously. There's been a lot of discussion in those regions that I've been sort of aware of about Vision Zero, which, you know, is for people who don't know, is is the concept of having zero road deaths and serious injuries, you know, in towns and cities by typically a certain date. It's an aspiration that you work towards. And of course, you need police buy-in to be able to to, to do that. So that's, um, that's an important one. That's an important one.
1: Yeah. And obviously, COVID is is like the major issue for people this year. It's it's affected people's lives quite a lot. Um <laughs> that sounds yes. more flippant than I meant it to. I mean, there's nothing you can really say that hasn't been said a million times before. Sure. But yeah, there was um was it the University of Essex did a study, uh, I think fifty nine percent of people said COVID was the biggest issue. But that's not to say that active travel doesn't matter to people because it does, um, because you know we've done there's been a lot of polls and most people around half of people generally or just slightly over half or just slightly under half want to see more kind of active travel measures stuff like low traffic neighborhoods um people are concerned about air pollution and yeah this stuff does matter
3: Mm, yeah there was a study that i saw a study a poll that i saw that showed that last year only nine percent of Britons wanted to go back to the way things were before Mm -hmm. the pandemic and That really um opened my eyes and, and and it was it was down to the fact that, you know, all the cliches we've talked about, but you know, lower traffic volumes, being able to hear the birds sing, talking to your neighbours, all of these things. We seem to have, you know, we we've moved into a different phase, haven't we? Because or, or several phases, both literally with with all the different kind of restrictions that we have and lifting of those. But also, you know that seems like quite a distant past, doesn't it? There was one, there was sort of one point where going outside and riding my bicycle was all anybody sort of had in their lives at one it's point. All we had. Yeah, it's well, no, all it was like well, you know, people it's people true. were furloughed, like you know, there was all, all and all of that stuff still true. But now, you know, with with other things that are going on, you know, seriousness and importance of our vaccination rollouts and everything like that, there are way more political. Issues at heart, but the one that the, the two that don't go away, and I've heard it a lot in hustings that I've sat in on and listened to, have been about air pollution and climate change. They're still two massive issues that are dominating the kind of political agenda at the moment, of which active travel has a key part to play uh, in both of those.
1: Yeah, because like 27% of emissions are from road transport, yeah. aren't they? So,
2: would you say from kind of studying the way that candidates have been appealing to their electorates that across the board across the political spectrum candidates whether they're standing for councillor or mayoral candidates have been addressing these issues have so in other words have has active travel been represented in the leaflets that pop through the letterbox
3: yeah to a lesser or greater extent it's this year is weird right Uh, for loads of reasons but this year seems to follow, and when it comes to active travel, no traditional kind of political rules or allegiances. So you've got, and this is why I think this whole thing's quite fascinating, is you've got obviously the central government, which is conservative, massively pushing active travel, thanks to the Prime Minister, and that's been kind of a, a sort of top-down strategy. And then you've got conservative councillors in places like Wandsworth or Kensington-Chelsea, sort of actively and indeed the metro mayor candidate sean bailey sort of actively you know going against government policy saying this is a bad idea this is causing all these problems etc and then where i live you know there was a local county council candidate popped a leaflet through and it was the conservatives on it and i I sort of uh, you know i read it as i read all of the leaflets um to get an idea of who to vote for and you know, it was really big and bold on Active Travel. You know, it's only a small area, but you know, he's a Conservative saying Active Travel is going to help us with this. We're going to look at low traffic neighbourhoods. We're going to do all of these things. So, so, and then you've got Labour councils that are, you know, generally quite quite supportive, but it's not always the way either. Mm. So, so, it really, it really has turned into this sort of weird. As Active Travel and cycling does a lot, turned into this sort of weird culture war, where it's, you know, in, in the cities, it's down to sort of, you know, come down, especially in London, come down to low traffic, neighbourhoods, and congestion charging. And that's a big conversation in Manchester that's happening right now. The Conservative candidate is calling it a, you know, congestion tax, uh, the concept, and Andy Burnham's, you know, re- re- refuting that, and it's nothing, because it's not to do with congestion, it's to do with pollution, all sorts of things. So, But, but it's generally... You know, active travel has had quite a big part to play. I would say in this in this year's election cycle, there's been yeah quite a lot of conversation on on the whole part of transport, including road pricing, all these kind of all these kind of things.
2: That debate about whether or not a congestion charge is a tax or a kind of service charge. Reminds me, did we talk about it back in... I can't remember what we talked about, but that whole issue about the American embassies...
3: Oh, yeah, they, won't, they wouldn't pay it, would they?
2: They've <laughs> they wrapped up a, a multi-million pound bill for congestion charge, unpaid congestion charge really? fines. Can yeah, apparently this? this is quite common. So the Americans are by no means um, unique in that, but most diplomatic corps based in London don't bother paying f- for their mm. employees the congestion charge.
1: It's interesting, isn't and they it? They refuse but-
2: to because they consider it to be a taxation. Wow. So TFL were trying to, I think, I don't know whether it got legal in the end, but TFL were trying to, you know, persuade them that it wasn't a taxation. It was like a service charge, like wow. plumbing in the water or the electricity. And you should probably pay it if you're living here. You because
1: know. you pay for the tube. I mean, you pay for the buses. So, yeah. yeah. but
2: Yeah. Well, quite. That was their sort of point. <laughs>
3: so. Yeah, there's been some interesting discussions, uh, I think, just to centre in on London a little bit, because it, it is a high profile debate. There's been a couple of things that I think are interesting. One is um Sadiq Khan is clearly promoting active travel, which is a positive thing, and we've seen the taste of what that can look like in the city so far. But also he, you know, his critics say that, you know, he's building the the Silvertown Tunnel, you know, which yeah, effectively an underground traffic sewer, which no environmentalist seems to support. <laughs>
1: Although uh, it's not in his manifesto.
3: But I mean, he's not it backing once in down from, from, so. from it at all. And, and, and Sean Bailey, uh, it's actually one thing they agree on. Sean Bailey and Sadiq Khan both think the Silvertown Tunnel is is essential. And obviously the Green candidate and the Liberal Democrat candidate are very clearly saying, you know, you cannot support a Green you know, a green policy, a green mayor that has a, you know, a mayor that's going to build this massive tunnel.
1: And if he moves to, um, I mean, they're moving City Hall to to the east, to the mm-hmm. um, to near the Excel Center. The Silvertown Town Tunnel is going to be pumping out the pollution right next to. So yeah, from
3: right the window, next to City Hall, be
1: able yeah. It'll I mean, be too not, late then, won't it? Not that, yeah, not that it, anyone's more worthy than, than anyone else in that.
2: What I find quite interesting, what you've outlined, and we, I think we're been quite, <laughs> we're trying quite scrupulously not to be political here with this. We're, you know, <laughs> trying to be kind of detailed about this particular aspect of the campaigning. What has occurred to me when you were talking about the kind of conflict between Downing Street, effectively, or even one person in Downing Street, mm, let's be honest, yeah. and the rest of the the Conservative Party, for example, and I also think there are internal conflicts within other parties. As of course, as you've alluded always. To. But what is a, interesting is that. Active travel, there is no kind of necessarily rhyme or reason as to where the advocates might pop up politically. There's no kind of cross the board, oh, well, they're going to be a bit like this because they're... So it's quite difficult as a voter sometimes to think, well, I really like that candidate stance on active travel, but the rest of it <laughs> sucks. Yeah. You know, so that's quite a difficult one. You know, how do you address that issue sometimes for every individual to make their own mind up? But I can't remember being faced with that kind of dilemma in the past you mm.
3: know? i think it's because it, it's emerging policy and and also it's it's hyper local isn't it and and mm. the national government have you know uh, have a belief in it seems in like devolution and also local policy you know local politics local people kind of thing so seem reluctant to get involved but that means that you know it sort of just becomes the wild west really yeah and and I think when we're talking about climate change and and air pollution, you cannot have those conversations seriously without talking about active travel, just because, yes, surface transport is like a third of of our greenhouse gas emissions in the West Midlands, for example. So you can't have that conversation without talking about active travel. But those local politics has the potential to be really, really specific, right? And really petty in some cases. You know, it's about on-street parking, you know, mm. in council elections, they can be won and lost by conversations around wheelie bins and collection frequency. For example, you know, cu- councils can lose control of a council because of the wheelie bin, it's the situation, right? <laughs> it's wheelie so,
1: bins, dog mess and parking, yeah, isn't it? Those are the exactly. three local council main, main <laughs> yeah. things that people get clobbered with. Which, which <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously
3: <laughs> when you're talking central government, it's, you know, often about big picture and it's about the direction of travel, uh Using the pun, and then yeah when it comes down to local politics it can be really you know really really specific which is where it comes down to you know we've seen in one of my i gave a criticism of um sadiq khan a a criticism of sean bailey being objective as well would be you know one of his key policies seems to be that within his first 100 days he says he will undo all unwanted low traffic neighborhoods Mm. there's a fundamental problem with that in that it's not in the gift of the mayor to be able to do that. Mm. there There is no framework he would be able to do that, certainly not in 100 days. The only way I could imagine he would do is to somehow work to get control of individual council residential roads by getting the Secretary of State to support it. No way that's going to be done 100 days. No way that's going to be done full stop. Um, I can't imagine
1: Boris backing that either. Can he? No, you, you just can't. The of State of, you yeah.
3: can't imagine it. So <laughs> so you've got to sort of ask why, why he's going around with a, a diesel bus that they're char- they're paying £300 a day charge to use in London because it doesn't meet the emissions criteria, with a massive sign on the back saying, let's remove L- and unwanted LTNs. He's got not- stuck
1: in traffic, <laughs> didn't and he? He's not the
2: only candidate in the London mayoral election to be uh, saying they'll rip out LTNs.
1: No, no, no. It's no. quite, quite Well, they just don't have the power. I mean, I get yeah. I get emails from the campaign and from the Conservatives. So I don't know how it happened. But um, anyway, yeah. And it's quite interesting because he, in October, he sent an email to his supporters asking them to sign a petition to rip out the LTNs and saying that their LTN's a road that's been shut down by the council and Sadiq Khan without residents ever getting a say, none of which is actually true. I mean it's funded by central government, yeah, the trial is was consultation part of The period. TFL
3: bailout yeah, condition was to yeah. for the government wanted TFL to continue rolling out active travel measures to mm. get the get the money from central government.
1: But yeah, it's interesting. And um and one thing that I didn't necessarily realize until i was doing some reading for this episode was how much um for local councils how much um car parking uh, makes some boroughs i saw an, an article uh, the top two earners from car parking in the country are westminster and kensington and chelsea westminster makes oh. almost 70 million a year from car parking kensington and chelsea 38.8 million they have to plow it back into transport policies some of which is maintaining the car parking but i just thought it was astonishing it's a huge amount of money
2: yeah I, I went a couple of nights ago we rode up in the evening we rode up into central london why did we do it oh yeah to go and buy a pair of trousers i am bought any new clothes for
3: you. that's <laughs> such, <laughs> such a 2021 20, thing to do yeah we're yeah. <laughs> going out to buy a pair yeah. of trousers <laughs> it <was
2: literally, laughs> oh. and it was an expedition so we, we rode up me and kath and uh, we went to yeah so regent street and then uh thought oh, actually we could have a, a meal out and we went to Darby Street in Soho which has basically been turned into an LTN so it's been shut to mm. traffic um, and I um, uh, had a bowl of Vietnamese soup and it was very nice lovely but it, yeah. I was, as I was sitting there eating it I was looking at a car that's Westminster isn't it Westminster Council yeah. I was looking at I think Poland Street car park mm. multi-storey car park there and I was remembering there was a facilities house in Darby Street where I used to make films years ago as a freelance and for some reason I couldn't remember why but every time I worked there I used to drive wow <laughs> I used to drive my little Fiat Panda, I had a Fiat Panda, into Soho and park in when the Poland street. I mean, t- 15 years ago, yeah. 20 years ago, possibly. And I used to, wow. and I, that's what I used to do. I used to think that was the right thing to do. That and was the I, thing though, wasn't I it? I even now, it was that long ago. It was over 15 years ago. I used to pay 35 quid a day to park there. Wow. And kind of claim it back across, uh, against the expense of the production or whatever, you know, find a way of, but I tried to think what it is now.
1: I mean, uh, you know. You hope it's more. Mm. <laughs> sure
3: it is. But, but it's yeah, just, they, they, it's fine. What was
1: I thinking? No. It was just something you I, do though, isn't it? I guess it that was. was. Uh, it was an unconscious assumption. Yeah.
3: Which is why, you know, it's very, extraordinary. very important that when we have any of these conversations, we, we think about what normal people think. And, and this is effectively what politicians are thinking as well. What do normal people think like? Because we're not, Normal, and I remember I used that to. That is very true. I used to be sort of vaguely normal because I, I talked about this the day I used to live in <laughs> live in Ealing, and I used to drive from my flat, which had a parking space allocated to me, to my office, which was uh, next door to Ealing Studios, as you've been to many times, Ned. At the um, and and that journey is about one point one miles.
2: Totally normal, right? and I used to drive it. Yeah, of course you did.
3: But no, but statistically, I am like fairly, fairly yeah. normal because fifty percent of car journeys in London are under two miles. Yeah, that's fifty percent of of the car journeys, right? So what I'm doing is is madness. I did then, and actually, my point was is that if there if the low traffic neighbourhoods existed, then it would have cut off the route that I took through the back streets, and I wouldn't, and I would, it would have changed my behaviour way earlier than just my kind of enlightenment from. Talking to peers and things like that, it would have just gone. Well, I can walk it in fifteen minutes. Why would I? Why would I uh, drive it if it's going to take me twenty?
2: Yeah,
3: and it would have taken that to make a to make a shift. But yep. most normal people in Ealing you know, aren't thinking like but that. My,
2: my, I suppose the point of my kind of astonishment at recollecting my behavior from back then is that I wasn't even put off by a 35 quid a day charge. Yeah, The car wasn't even worth 35 quid. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it had a rust patch in the bottom and you could, you know, I was driving up the M1, you could see the M1 flashing beneath you at 70 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. Oh can, um, terrifying.
3: can we talk about though, just uh, a little bit interested in it because it's, it's my patch, but Really want to talk about the West Midlands, which I think is going to be a really interesting mayoral yeah, go um, on. debate. I,
2: I, you've given yeah, absolutely because I did see somebody um, posting online a kind of comparison between the and uh, you know, in fairness to, <laughs> to try not to be political here about you know which party we might support by and large, but it, it's worth saying that you've been quite critical of Sean Bailey's campaign being mm. kind of misleading or, or, mm. or, or uninformed. Uh, there is a stark contrast is there not between. John Bailey's campaigning in London and Andy Street's campaigning in the West Midlands.
3: Yeah, totally. Um, it's it's quite su- surprising in many ways for people who come at this with like a politics lens on because Andy Street's Andy Street's like posters don't really even some of them do but don't even really feature the Conservative logo. They use the colour green instead of the colour blue, for example. And I think, in fairness to to Andy Street, that's that's sort of reflective of the approach he takes, where he is a Conservative, but he's not, you know, not part of the kind of conservative machine. But what what I and others have worked on with Sustrans Cycling UK, British Cycling, a local group called Push Bikes uh, and Living Streets, the pedestrian charity, is a series of five asks for for all the candidates that are quite bold and ambitious, I, I think. They involve in, you know, adopting the target that central government has quietly mentioned, which is to try and get 50% of all journeys in West Midlands towns and cities to be walked or cycled by, by 2030. But also working with local authorities to only, this is something London's been doing for a while, but the West Midlands hasn't been doing this, is working to only fund schemes that meet you know, the new LTN 120 guidance and also to hold back the funding. Basically, at the moment, it just goes from central government to the West Midlands combined authority and then to the councils and they sort of get it no questions asked and now what we're saying is you need to make sure that you're only funding the most ambitious and high quality schemes which is a which is a big step change for mm. for, for the region
1: ltn 120 is the new design guidance
3: yes it is not to be confused with ltns no. um because ltn 120 it's everyone un- loves London transport uh, <laughs> <note>. <laughs> um local transport no yeah um and um, there's also uh, building on the Vision Zero, committing to Vision Zero ambition, which um, of, of zero uh, deaths and and serious injuries, supporting the implementation of active neighbourhoods, which is basically uh, <laughs> low traffic neighbourhoods in disguise. It's a different
1: name, yeah. Um, N- names have kind of become a bit toxic, hasn't?
3: Yeah, it, it has. Mm. But 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 a lot of the candidates agree that this is sort of mission critical. We need these, and we also need to take back residential streets to be. Community places where the people can have, you know, community allotments and things like that. You know, really bring it back to, to people politics. And also, like Manchester and London and other, other regions have done, step up in the region and uh, appoint an active travel commissioner. So there's there's a variety of pledges. The Labour candidate Liam Byrne MP has signed up to them. Andy Street from Conservative has signed up to them. And Jenny Wilkinson from Liberal Democrat has signed up to them, which is which is great. Two candidates have not, but they have both said that they support active travel in varying levels, but mm. they, they just have a policy of not signing up to what's been described as kind of pledge politics, um, which is a concern for some people. <laughs> um, the green, that's the green... that's are green.
1: be definite and have, uh, have goals and targets because if you miss them, then,
3: mm. then well, people will know. <laughs> I think it more comes down to the kind of lobbying effect of like having organisations okay. say, we want you to sign up to this, sign up kind of thing, and we're we'll holding you to account. I think, you know, the Green Party, for example, which ironically have a very good manifesto, Stephen, uh, Steve Caldwell on active travel, don't, you know, he won't sign up to pledge politics because he thinks, you know, the Green Party's approach is always sort of community up rather than top down. So that's fair deuce. Like, you know, I think his manifesto is pretty good. And then you've got Pete Dunnell from uh, Reform UK, which is the kind of new UKIP. Sort of party he stood for UKIP at the last Metro Mayor election, and actually compared to a lot of reform candidates who want to rip out all cycle lanes, he said he's supportive of anything that improves cycling and walking, but that the Reform Party doesn't sign up to pledges. Oh. Um, so
1: basically, whoever gets whoever becomes the next mayor of the West Midlands is going to kind of get on board with active travel in quite a big way, in quite a transformative yeah, way. Yeah, I mean it's easy
3: think? to say this thing, isn't it? It's easy <laughs> to say, yeah, sure, sign your pledges, leave me alone. But I genuinely feel there's something more than this um, right now, where the candidates understand it's a really important part of their transport strategy. Uh, and they know that the West Midlands needs to do better. And we can hold them to account now, right? All yeah. the advocates and organizations can say, well, you said this, like, you know, and, and that's quite powerful, I think, in itself.
1: Because um, Andy Street, a while back, I mean, I wrote, I wrote an article, I looked into what he was kind of doing for active travel, and it, it wasn't really that great. When was that? A few months ago. In the last year. <laughs> At some point. But I don't know. Maybe he has he sort of has he got on board a bit more or he's become a bit more concerted in his efforts?
3: Yeah, I think I think there's a problem, wasn't there, where there was a lot of focus around like the canal network. It's always tempting in the Midlands to say, oh, canals. But I think that um yeah, I think there's uh, it's potentially shifted a little bit more to the kind of network we need. They introduce a Starly network, which is kind of their Uh, attempt at the B network Uh, it's nowhere near as comprehensive and that's one of the things that that I think campaigners have been pushing them on but I I guess it gives you a glimpse of what can be done you know in a local area and people listen to this now you know it's going to be a bit late for pledges but when people are elected you know they're they're, I guess they're like sponges aren't they And, and and they want to hear about what's happening in the status quo what all the opinions are so there's a real opportunity in this democratic process that I'd never been. We talked about in other podcasts, right? Like I'd only ever rang the council to get a new wheelie bin, and I think that was all the thing. But if you start to sort of explore the process, it, it you, you can have quite a bit of quite a bit of change. And I think for a lot of people, that won't be a metro ma'am necessarily, but it could be a, a, a city council, which or, or borough council. Um, and you work with yours quite a bit, don't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, mine are quite receptive actually. I've met a couple of good people in the council, and yeah, we've had a couple of yeah we'll talk about about certain improvements no idling signs locally um
3: you're inviting some councillors to do a little walk yeah around with you.
1: um yeah without success yet i got oh. uh, i got our <laughs> neighborhood manager around um to have a little walk around who's very good and um yeah we there's a problem with idling in my area and uh, i got some i got a nice person from the council to come along in her cargo bike and put up some no idling signs following morning drama though someone had cut one of them down <laughs> so i picked it up i sent i i uh, I sent her a picture and i was like what and she's like it it. happens she said it happens to everyone and um any and it turns out that there's been a lot of um uh like spraying over we've got new um charges coming in for car parking in the borough and people have been spraying over the signs saying you know we're going to charge you for parking here kind of thing or um yeah it's a real problem even outside schools people will turn around the uh, anti-idling side but they're just kind of these plasticky things with plastic cable ties tying them onto the post doesn't say the council's name on it at all so it looks kind of like mm. a resident's just got a bit annoyed and uh put something up so anyway i emailed someone at the council and i was like do you think we should get more permanent signs uh, i saw one in hackney ages ago and they had a quite a decent one so they're gonna do that but yeah
2: they used to have no idling signs at every major junction and at level crossings in germany 30 years ago
3: really yeah it's funny in this country oh, that incredible. we we wow. we a gr- I say we we don't but people graffiti signs that say no idling and stuff but we've all we've been left with all, all those signs that say no ball games still there all exactly. this time <laughs> yeah no, we have those. Okay. no yeah. fun no fun allowed <laughs> can you please turn your engine off sir? Yeah. it's killing people no
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i had someone Oh, uh, I don't know. It was, really, it, was, it was quite shocking, actually. There was someone in my back garden. There's like people can park behind the wall of the back garden, basically. Um, and there was someone out there with a the van. They'd been there for some time. And I was about to have lunch in the garden. It was a nice day. So I was like kind of climbed up by the wall. And I, I was like, excuse me, would you mind turning your engine off? And he was like wounding his windows at like, why? And I was like, because of air pollution. he's like, oh, oh, F off. And he got really...
3: <laughs> Gosh.
1: So... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it last time, last time I tried to do something similar to that, I got driven at.
1: No, yeah, local well. park.
2: Someone was, yeah, whatever. Wow. Yeah, literally drove the car at <laughs> me.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? It was it's so shocking. Radical. It was like, Oh wow, this has escalated uh, quickly.
2: But, yeah, but you're yeah you're, you're intruding on their private space. So you know, you've got to have yeah.
1: some respect for that.
3: Yeah Um <laughs> in the, in the last little bit we have, um mm. we had a few questions on Twitter which which yes. which, well, you did, which you
2: put out a Twitter uh, plead yeah. for questions, so you need to respond.
3: Yeah, so but I, I think it helps us segue into just finally the little bit of the political jigsaw is is councillors, it's city councillors or town councillors or county councillors. And just so people know, because it is unnecessarily complex, you generally have a highways authority, and they're generally the people that look after highways. But it's not always the the council you think it is. It's Mm. pretty clear in London when you have, you know, like Newham Borough Council, Ealing Borough Council, for example. But outside of London, take the area in Warwickshire, where I am, you have Warwickshire County Council who look after highways. You have Warwick District Council who look after Uh, town centers bins parking parks etc charging points things like that and you have the town council which are basically very hyper local representatives who try and lobby the bigger authorities to give the town you know give the town its fair share so you've got three different types of councillor all in an area and that's the case you know we've had a question in from you know worcestershire it's the similar setup there and the Department for Transport, one of, the questions, um, one of the questions we had was how the Department for Transport kind of hold local authorities, highway authorities to account, because they're the ones that are getting the, the funding, this new £2 billion that you hear talked about. That goes to the highways authorities, typically. And it's, some people are concerned in areas like Worcester that that money is not being well spent or spent at all. So what can you do as part of that? I guess political process and Alex Raha or Reha Raha Raha sounds better, doesn't it? Alex says that you know if the DFT funds a local authority from the Act of Travel Fund, what KPI should be met as a condition of funding? You know, should there be key
1: performance indicators? Key performance indicators.
3: Be careful of acronyms. (laughs) Laura, what can what can um, what can the DFT do to make sure that local authorities spend their money wisely? And what can people do, I guess, to make sure that? their local authorities play ball
1: well i guess um we have the the design guidance don't we which is a very easy way of uh, aforementioned ltn 120 aforementioned so yeah do it to that standard please and and you'll get the money also i don't know i think that's probably the that's probably using that
3: as a a sort of carrot stick aren't they Mm, they they haven't done it yet but they are saying Please you know, they are saying use this fund use these funds wisely, yeah. do it to the standards, or we're gonna claw it back from you and future funds. And that, mm. that does scare councils because councils are, you know, hand to mouth in many respects. So if they get given a million quid, but then the next year they could be a million quid short on transport, that's a significant problem. Unless what? they
1: whack up the car parking fees. Or they just
3: whack up the car parking fees. <laughs> um, but they haven't they have not yet DFT, to my knowledge, have not yet used that kind of that force, although they've said they will. And actually, like where I am in you know Coventry, for example, they've been given active travel fund money, but the money that they have is not it's not enough to design to LTN 120 like in full. Like it, it's, it's genuinely, you know, they're. It's more like four hundred thousand pounds a mile of cycle track rather than about a million pounds of cycle track, which you would need to build mm-hmm. something like Blackfriars, which is I think a one point three million pound per mile. So they're not giving enough.
1: Though you can do things with ones.
3: You can do things with ones, but then when it comes to comes to meeting full LTN one hundred and twenty compliance, I think you can do the, the part of it. But if you come to like a junction, which is we've seen, you know, even with Kensington High Street. You know that's sort of where people give up at junctions, isn't it? Because mm. it's it's sort yeah. of bit, sort of expensive.
1: Yeah, wow, it's it's blowing a gale here.
2: Well, it's not just blowing gas. it started raining, isn't it? It's raining as well. Are you thinking about... was over a bit when Adam was just... <laughs> to that last bit. It got quite <laughs> I know, technical. I was, at, I was just at looking rain. at the window. And <laughs> the rain just lashing down. And I realised I, oh, no, <laughs> I, I forgot to put a plastic bag over my saddle. Oh, no. Have you got, uh, got uh, a leather a, saddle? Yeah, I've got a leather saddle. So that's oh, um, no. that's a bit of an error. That's
1: sad. That's mm. Will it be okay? What no. happens? Does it go like a cheese grater? if it? It's not.
2: It's not one of those leather saddles. It's one. Of, it's a sort of fancy Italian racing saddle from the nineteen eighties.
3: Oh. oh no.
1: Yeah. Anyway, vintage.
3: So they can claw the money back. Yeah. Is, it, is the kind of straight um, back to
2: the local politics
3: there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's,
3: it's as boring as talking about the weather. <laughs> yeah. That's um, true refesh. Uh, you can claw the money back. I think when it comes to um, what people can do, and that was a question that we had from Adam Bronkhorst in uh, Worcester.
1: I think he's in. Um, hang on, isn't he in uh, Shoreham? Shoreham, I think he's in sorry. West Sussex. I get my I
3: get my underperforming councils mixed up. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's in Shoreham, sorry, um, which had the um, Upper Shoreham Road yeah. bike lane, which actually featured in the Department of Transport's promotional video about active travel. Yeah, it's like travel.
1: Kensington and Chelsea in yeah. Brighton. The cycle lane on Kensington High Street, but in Brighton, just yeah, outside of Brighton. I
3: should say. absolutely. Yeah. He says that our council house in what, in what sense?
1: In that it got put in and then taken um, out, then taken out okay. for no apparent good reason. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was a sad story.
3: Um, he says that on Twitter, our council has eight different strategies which benefit from active travel. They've had mm. eleven consultations in twenty-four months, yet they do no actual deliverable, measurable actions. Why?
1: Yeah, he's uh, a, he's like, why, why, why don't some councils do do it? Just do it. Even yeah, including Tory councils. I think we were talking about earlier about how like hyperlocal local politics can be and i think there is genuine fear about driver rage or drive you know driver backlash i shouldn't yeah shouldn't be dismissive people some driver backlash as well yeah not exactly and yeah and um yeah and and so i think consulting means that you don't have to upset anyone but then actually doing something that's when the trouble starts really for you as a counselor yeah you know people start telling you that you've ruined their lives and um yeah
3: it's it's, it's a tough scary. one because the consultation at the moment you know, there's two types of consultation. One is good, and, and that's sort of asking people what they think. You know, what what have we not thought about that we should have thought about, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But some ends up being a um, a referendum on actually, you know, whether we should do anything or not. And that that consultation, you know, in a in a most of these councils have declared climate emergencies, shouldn't really be. Allowed Pass to that happen. Point. Pass yeah, that point. past yeah. that point of saying, should we do something? Yeah. You know, cycling could be a good thing. Yeah. We've gone a bit, we're sort of, yeah, that, that ship has sailed. We've got to, we've got to work really quickly. Yeah. And, and it actually worries me. A friend, a, a friend of mine, um, Casper Hughes, who used to work in World he's now quite involved in campaigning and is part of Extinction Rebellion and all of that stuff. He, he wrote a letter to his local paper in Exeter saying if we cannot trust our elected officials to... You know, deal with something as basic as this. He was referring to closing, I think, the high street for a limited time to allow pedestrians to have safer stuff. How can we trust them with the, you know, the biggest concern of our time, which will be climate change? And it's mm. quite powerful, really, isn't it's it? Because if we can't point, get, yeah. if we can't, you know, if we can't Effective do these little very, bits, very then achievable
2: small goals, yeah. yeah.
3: We're, we're screwed, really. Or it yeah. will just end up like COVID. We'll just wait till people are, you know, people are, are seriously struggling dying until we have to do some such dr- draconian change that mm. it makes low traffic neighborhoods look like a, a walk in the park mm. well, that that's was a, nice that's a, sad <laughs> that's a
1: very sad this is sad, that's a disturbing sad um, but we have local elections coming up so um we have we have a choice
3: you have a choice <laughs> and, use it and, and
1: we that? can yeah and we can affect yeah. change in with
2: our with our ballot papers absolutely so get out and vote we haven't really established what count bin faces policy towards yeah, no,
3: he doesn't seem to have any on active travel per no. se
1: that's a bit of an omission i think we should talk to his campaign managers and say <laughs> dude you're missing out here you're missing out on the yeah. big story of our time
3: yes we should we should have lobbied him harder
2: well uh unless anyone else has got anything to add it has been uh, very nice i think um the next couple of episodes have been recorded face to face which is uh, makes a very pleasant change and um All we can say is get out and vote. Right, Adam?
3: Yeah, go and and do your duty. And
2: and yeah, I I bitterly regret the fact that I left it too late to apply for my proxy vote. So um, next time. Uh, In the meantime, though, you've been listening to Streets Ahead. Let us know what you think. at Pod Streets Ahead. Rate us and review us and share the podcast with anyone you might think, think might enjoy it. And we will catch you next time. Goodbye from me.
3: Goodbye from me.
1: And goodbye from me too. Very smooth.